A sentence of scripture. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by following his laws which he set before us. O Lord, open our lips, and our mouth will proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be for ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Our first psalm this morning. Psalm 26. Give judgment for me, O Lord, for I have walked with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for your love is before my eyes. I have walked in your truth. I have not joined the company of the false, nor consorted with the deceitful. I hate the gathering of evildoers, and I will not sit down with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence, O Lord, that I may go about your altar, to make heard the voice of thanksgiving, and tell of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house of your habitation, and the place where your glory abides. Sweep me not away with sinners, nor my life with the bloodthirsty, whose hands are full of wicked schemes, and their right hand full of bribes. As for me, I will walk with integrity. Redeem me, Lord, and be merciful to me. My foot stands firm in the great congregation. I will bless the Lord. And our second psalm, Psalm 32. Happy the one whose transgression is forgiven, and whose sin is covered. Happy the one to whom the Lord imputes no guilt, and in whose spirit there is no guile. For I held my tongue, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day long. Your hand was heavy upon me day and night, my moisture was dried up like the drought in summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgive the guilt of my sin. Therefore let all the faithful make their prayers to you in time of trouble. In the great water flood it shall not reach them. You are a place for me to hide in. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Be not like horse and mule which have no understanding, whose mouths must be held with bit and bridle, or else they will not stay near you. Great tribulations remain for the wicked, but mercy embraces those who trust in the Lord. Be glad, you righteous, and rejoice in the Lord. Shout for all, all who are true of heart. A reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 47, beginning in verse 1. So Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. From among his brothers he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, as our ancestors were. They said to Pharaoh, 
We have come to reside as aliens in this land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks because the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now we ask you, let your servants settle in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. And if you know that there are capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and presented him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the years of your life? Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my earthly sojourn are one hundred thirty. Few and hard have been the years of my life. They do not compare with the years of the life of my ancestors during their long sojourn. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Joseph settled his father and his brothers and granted them a holding in the land of Egypt, in the best part of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had instructed. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food, according to the number of their dependents. Now there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe. The land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money to be found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, in exchange for the grain that they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. When the money from the land of Egypt and from the land of Canaan was spent, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. And Joseph answered, Give me your livestock, and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock, if your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds, and the donkeys. That year he supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, We cannot hide from my Lord that our money is all spent, and the herds of our cattle are my Lord's. There's nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Shall we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land in exchange for food. We with our land will become slaves to Pharaoh. Just give us seed so that we may live and not die and that the land may not become desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. All the Egyptians sold their fields because the famine was severe upon them and the land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he made slaves of them, from one end of Egypt to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had a fixed alliance from Pharaoh, and lived on the alliance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Now that I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh, here is seed for you. So the land. And at the harvest you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field and as food for yourselves and your households, and as food for your little ones. They said, You have saved our lives. May it please my Lord, we will be slaves to Pharaoh. So Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the region of Goshen, 
and they gained possessions in it, and were fruitful and multiplied exceedingly. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years, so the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were one hundred forty-seven years. When the time of Israel's death drew near, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favour with you, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal loyally and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I lie down with my ancestors, carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. He answered, I will do as you have said. And he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. Then Israel bowed himself on the head of his bed. Our first canticle, Saviour of the World. Jesus, Saviour of the World, come to us in your mercy. We look to you to save and help us. By your cross and your life laid down, you set your people free. We look to you to save and help us. When they were ready to perish, you saved your disciples. We look to you to come to our help. In the greatness of your mercy, loose us from our chains. Forgive the sins of all your people. Make yourself known as our Saviour and mighty Deliverer. Save and help that we may praise you. Come now and dwell with us, Lord Christ Jesus. Hear our prayer and be with us always. And when you come in glory, make us to be one with you and to share the life of your kingdom. Amen. A reading from the first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 9, beginning in verse 16. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it, so that after proclaiming to others, I myself, should not be disqualified. Our Gospel Canticle, the Benedictus. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has come to his people and set them free. The Lord has raised up for us a mighty Saviour, 
born of the house of his servant David. Through the holy prophets, God promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of those who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears, and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath God swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hand of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous before him all the days of our life. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of all their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be for ever. Amen. May the words of my lips, and the thoughts of my heart, be always pleasing in your sight, O Lord my God. Church membership is declining, and Christian faith, it seems, is increasingly seen as something to be kept private and out of daily life. Christianity, we're told, must adapt to a new postmodern and post-Christendom world. Yet at the very same time, it has to maintain its relevance and communicate the gospel with conviction. In our own church, we can see how some are attempting to make this change. They drop the prayer book and move to more spontaneous services. They drop the old hymns in favour of modern songs that get the blood pumping and the feet tapping. Others tout various courses which allow us to explore Christianity or talk Christ over coffee, and all of which promise rapid growth and new worshippers. But here's the thing. The music doesn't make one a Christian. You can love Wesley's hymns or even Getty's and still not know Christ. The liturgy, traditional or modern, service one or service two, doesn't save either. And nor do those fancy courses that we like so much. The only thing that can save us is God. And he does that through the gospel of Christ. A gospel that our reading from Corinthians tells us we are obligated to share with others. Woe to me. Woe to you if we do not proclaim the gospel. But what is the gospel? Well, traditionally, the gospel was the plan of God from eternity, focused on the salvation of humanity, the establishment of Christ's kingdom and his final victory over evil. But times have changed, and for many of us the gospel today is more about us than anything else. Jesus died for us has become Jesus died for me, and the kingdom and battle against evil well, they're pushed to the side and forgotten about. St Paul, though, doesn't just command us to preach the gospel and then leave us to guess at what it is. No, he more than anyone else next to Christ himself defines and clarifies the gospel to us. He begins by pointing out in Romans chapter 1 that we are not alone and nor are we independent of God. In fact, you and I, and indeed all of humanity, past, present and future, are all dependent on God. He is our creator and our sustainer. And yet we fail to give God the honour he deserves. 
we continuously fail, both as individuals and as a whole. To give God the praise and worship we should is something that seems beyond us. Instead, we fight against him. We challenge his rule, ignore him and disrespect him. That is to say, we sin and we sin boldly. And in turn, Paul explains in Romans chapter 2 that we deserve to be punished. In reading for this reflection, I came across a great book by Greg Gilbert called What is the Gospel? And he summed up Paul's point here quite well. He said of God, we are made by him, owned by him, dependent on him, and therefore accountable to him. And thus the punishment for our sin is fully justified. Of course, this is news to many. It's not something that we're used to hearing in the modern day. But while it's news, it's not particularly good, for us at least. Of course, this isn't the end of the story, as the rest of Romans proves. Because in an amazing act of love, God came after us in Jesus Christ to receive and remake us. Why? So that we could have the punishment for our sins atoned for via Christ's passion on the cross and could come into a new relationship with God, fully justified, fully justified by his mercy. This news that God had come in the person of Jesus to save us from our sins is wonderful. But to know that one day he will come again to the whole world in the presence and power of his spirit to renew the whole of creation, that's great beyond words. This message then of creation, of the fall into sin, the redemption of those who believe in Jesus via his passion and the renewal of the whole of creation at the end of time, this is the good news. This is the gospel. So get out there. Tell it to others. Tell it to your friends, your family, your colleagues at work. Tell it to the world, lest woe be upon you. Amen. And we give expression to our shared faith by saying together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Today, as part of our weekday intercessions and thanksgivings, we pray for the priestly ministry of Christ that is all that meets human need. Gracious God and Father, you have given your Son for us all, that his death might be our life and his affliction our peace. We pray for those suffering at this time from illness, from grief, from worry 
and from fear. Be near to each of them, Lord. Comfort them and support them at this time. Enable us to better serve them as brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray for the hungry and the homeless, that they would not be forgotten at this time, but would get the help and care they need, that they would get a roof over their heads and somewhere warm to lie. And we pray that we would never forget their plight, but instead work to help them overcome their difficulties and get back onto their feet once more. We pray for all refugees who, having fled home, now face uncertainty and live in constant danger. Protect them, Lord, and guide them on to safety and peace. We pray for the prisoners, that they would know the error of their ways and repent of their sins, but more that they would know that true repentance leads to true forgiveness, and so turning to you may be redeemed in spirit to the glory of your name. We pray for the persecuted, for those who, having made their stand for your truth and for your gospel, now face violence or even death at the hands of evil men. Give them courage, give them faith, and in these dark times give them joy, so that by their hopeful witness, their persecutors and all who bring sin and suffering may come to learn something of you and your good news, and so repent of their ways. And we pray for all who seek to bring care and relief to the world. At this time, we especially pray for the doctors, nurses and indeed all the staff of the NHS as they seek to control the coronavirus and care for the sick. Give them the energy they need, the wisdom they require and above all give them your blessing in their vital work so that the sick may be healed and lives may be saved. Amen. Gracious God and Father, we give you thanks for the cross of Christ at the heart of creation the presence of Christ in our weakness and strength, the grace of Christ to transform our suffering. For all ministries of healing, all agencies of relief, all that sets us free from pain, fear and distress, for the assurance that your mercy knows no limit, and for the privilege of sharing Christ's ministry and prayer. Amen. In darkness and in light, in trouble and in joy. Help us to trust your love, to serve your purpose, and to praise your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Collect of the Day Merciful Lord, grant your people grace to withstand the temptations of the world, the flesh and the devil, and with pure hearts and minds to follow you, the only God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the third collect at morning prayer. Go before us, Lord, in all our doings, with your most gracious favour, and further us with your continual help, that in all our works begun, continued, and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name, and finally by your mercy attain everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And we say together, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all evermore. Amen. To the King of Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory for ever and ever. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen.